Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Robin Olson. Robin is the author of a multi-award winning blog, Covered in Cat Hair, which chronicles the often crazy emotional roller coaster ride she's had rescuing over 500 cats and kittens. Olson jokes that her stories are like Nicholas Sparks novels and usually come with a friendly tissue warning because tears will flow, often happy tears, unlike the Sparks novels. In 2010, Olson turned her love for cats into the nonprofit rescue Kitten Associates based in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. Her innovative program, Kitties for Kids, designed to bring comfort to the families in Newtown after the 1214 tragedy, earned her rescue a certificate of recognition from the state of Connecticut and U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal. Olson is a diehard advocate for species appropriate nutrition and just celebrated her first year as a certified cat behavior counselor. Robin, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Stacy. I'm glad to be here today. How are you? Good, good. How did you get the cat bug? Well, I was thinking about how I would answer this question, and what I came up with is heartbreak. That's what actually got me started. About 17 years ago, I had a year-long period where I had some pretty terrible things happen all at once. I got divorced. My father died very unexpectedly and tragically. And then I was working in New York City as a graphic designer because that's what I do for my day-to-day living. And it just happened to be September 11th. All those things really churned me up inside. My heart was kind of broken. And I really took a hard look at my life. And I realized it just felt completely empty. And I wanted to do something but I didn't know what it was. Now, ever since I was a little kid, I'd always had cats, always loved cats, had some crazy experiences with cats. And I decided I need to help cats. That's my answer. So I began this kind of journey of trying to find a place where I could start fostering and see how that worked. Now I can look back at it and I realize that the only thing that's ever really made me feel happy is when I'm helping others. So it was kind of like this beautiful kind of blossoming out of sadness where I realized I'm helping these little animals. I'm also helping people. Every time I found a wonderful home or had a happy ending for these cats, I just wanted to keep doing it. That's great. So, and with each cat, it sounds like you have a, almost a story for each cat or kitten that you have fostered. So I assume you started out fostering with a specific local organization? Yes. Back then, it wasn't very easy to find cat rescues because there wasn't Facebook and social media and things like that. So I did some digging around. I eventually did find a local group to work with. And I started to learn a thing or two from them. Unfortunately, one of the things I learned was you get stuck with cats if you're not working with a reputable rescue. So I moved on to another rescue after that. And that's where I really started to dig in and learn a, a great deal. 
do you foster more kittens or, or cats? I personally always had a softness for fostering the cats that were like 10 years of age or older. That was sort of my weak point. And I find sometimes foster homes sort of like to specialize in a certain category. Are you a foster specialist or do you take them all? Well, <laughs> I think the way I began was I worked with a rescue that did a lot of TNR and I would take in the kittens that either needed to be socialized or that just needed to be raised that were orphans for whatever reason. Because our rescue did not have a brick and mortar shelter, we have to rely on foster homes. I was under the impression that's a lot easier to adopt out kittens. So they just loaded me up with kittens. I'd say today, I really mix it up. It depends on the space I have available in my rescue, who needs help, what do they need. So right now we actually are about to take in a nine-year year old cat. We have some six-year-old cats. And then in my bathtub, I have four-week-old kittens. So you'll do whatever comes your way, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it really just depends on what's going on and what I can do to help. My goal with everybody that reaches out to me is to help them however I can. If I can't physically take their cat, I will network and try to find a rescue placement or an adopter or get the word out, whatever I can do, because then exponentially I can actually affect a lot more lives that way in a positive way. Can you tell me a little bit about the Kitties for Kids program that you created? Sure. In 2014, here in Sandy Hook, we had that just absolutely horrific shooting at our elementary school. And that night I was home watching the news. And I, of course, like everybody else in the whole world was crying. And I thought, I've got to do something. I can't sit here while my community is just completely shattered. And I thought, okay, I'm a tiny little rescue. I don't have shelter. What can I do? And I thought, I have so much joy playing with our foster kittens. And most people don't ever get to be in a room with more than one or two kittens at a time. And I thought, I don't want to be arrogant and think this is going to cure anything. But I thought at least it might just sort of help heal a little bit. I use the phrase like help the kids find their smiles again. And I was scared because... I was going to literally invite the entire town of Newtown to my house to play with cats. That's what Kitties for Kids was and still is. Basically, it was for first responders, adults, kids, whatever age, I didn't care. All I cared about was that these people were hurting, that they needed something to sort of just give them a reason to get up in the morning. And it was right around the holidays. And it was just unbelievably just amazing to see kind of what flowered out of this because it was just me, one person, this little innocent idea. I'm not sure I can pull it off, but I started to think, okay, we'll do a half an hour session. They can come over. It won't overload the kittens because I had a room full of foster kittens. But I didn't want the kids to be sad and play with the kittens and then go home empty-handed. So I asked for donations of stuffed cat toys. And I thought, okay, let me just put something on our Amazon wish list for kitten associates. And I put a couple of maybe 10 or 12 plush animals on there. And I posted on Facebook, 
five, 10 minutes later, people were saying, Robin, where's your wish list? There's nothing there. Because people had already bought every single thing I'd asked for. Two days later, I opened the door. There's a stack of boxes, six feet tall. I didn't get 10 or 12 plush. I was getting hundreds of them. I was getting so many, I didn't even know where to put them. So we were getting this really strong support from people all over the country. People were calling me and saying, how much is a vaccination? And I would say, well, I can get them for 10 or $15. Okay, well, I want to pay for 26 vaccinations. Or I had this gal from New Hampshire call me and she said, look, we can't come down there but we can write thank you notes. And there's a bunch of us here. Would you like us to help you? I'm like, yes, yes. They wrote like 150 thank you notes for me. But the Kitties for Kids program itself, I just sort of expected kids to come in, they'll play with the cats. Maybe I'll ask them questions, see how they're doing. But it was way, way bigger than that because we had this really lovely lady, Kathleen Guy. She donated these special therapy plush cats to us that helped children talk about any emotions they were dealing with. So she was involved. And then the kids were coming in and I ended up getting almost as much out of it as they did because I got to see them laugh when they saw Fred the kitten jump in the air and they started smiling. And this little boy, he really touched my heart. He was scared to go back to school because he was afraid that the policeman there was going to hurt him. And I said, look, my I have a friend who's a policeman and he can come over and see you again. We'll have you come back with him and you can say hi and it's going to be okay. And by the end of that visit, that little boy was like, I can go back to school. I'm okay. It was like that times all these families came over, all these, some young adults came over that had used to go to Sandy Hook Elementary. They were there and it was just, it's hard to describe it without being there, but just this warm feeling of these people just sort of just laughing and smiling. And it was so incredibly touching and moving to me that it actually helped me far more than I ever expected. And this was you opening up your house to the community. Is that correct? Yeah, we decorated the house for Christmas. We actually didn't even have Christmas ourselves. We totally just gave up Christmas and New Year's. We were open every single day. I booked four or five appointments a day. I didn't want to do too much to stress the cats, but I also wanted to make sure the families could come in. We just went pretty much around the clock. Anytime somebody called me, I would book them in and say, come on, come over. It was just so moving. I can almost not talk about it even all these years later. But the cool thing about it afterwards was not only, as you mentioned, did we get that citation from Senator Richard Blumenthal, we also got the Pet of the Year Award from the Connecticut Veterinary Medical Association for our kitten, Fred, who was the most amazing, high-jumping, hilarious, eight-month-old kitten you ever want to meet. And he was, unfortunately, there's, if you want to hear it, there's a story that goes with Fred, too. We called him our, like, our mascot for Kitties for Kids. Right after the new year, Fred started acting funny, and he wasn't jumping as much as he used to. So I started taking him 
to one vet after another. Fred ended up having FIP, the dry form, which causes neurological failure basically over a few weeks. Unfortunately, we had to let Fred go. Somebody came up to me after that and they said that it was because the kids in heaven needed him more. So he went to entertain all those little kids. Incredible story. Robin, you didn't give me the tissue warning. The Community Cats podcast is now getting over 3,000 downloads a month. The word is spreading and we have a fast growing listener support base. Would your business want to be a sponsor of the show and help us to continue our programs? To find out more details, please go to www.communitycatspodcast.com slash sponsor. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. Well, I wanted to turn to some of your new experiences. In the pre-show interview, we were talking about you are actually working at Community Cats TNR project, or you started working on one this past January. Maybe tell us that story. Sure. Well, as usual... I kind of tell my stories as a warning to others of what not to do. This is great. I'm like, let's pro be pro TNR and here I'm good. Don't do it. That's not what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is after six years of running Kitten Associates and not having any break whatsoever, I decided, okay, this winter I'm taking a break. I'm not rescuing anybody. I'm going to rest. I was foolishly on Facebook and I saw this post that this gal said, hey, there's this situation in Waterbury, which is a town about 30 minutes east of here. And there are, we think, 40 to 63 cats at this one manufacturer's location. They manufacture pipe fitting materials. And I thought, oh my God, this cannot be happening. I have to do something. I've learned this sort of motto that rescue isn't just one person, it's always a team, and that you don't have to do everything to be a great rescuer. You can just do your one or two things that you do really well and be part of a team. So I thought, okay, I don't really do TNR. I know how to do it, but I don't really do it. But I'm good at fundraising. I'm good at social media. I'm going to help. We'll form a little group, and that will be my part. And that's all I have to do. So I'm really still taking a rest. It's just social media and fundraising. So it's no big deal, right? Okay, so that was stupid. So what happened was, well, if I have to write a story about this, then I have to go on site and see the situation for myself because maybe it's really just 10 cats and it just seems like 40. Okay, so there was another mistake right there. I went to Waterbury. I get to this parking lot that's fenced in on like three sides and then there's a gate and I go through the gate and go into the parking lot and I see a cat. I'm like, okay, there's a cat. So we have to deal with this one cat. And then it's like, you start looking around and you realize, wait a minute, 
there's a cat on that car. No, there isn't. There's two. There's one sitting next to it. Wait, there's one under the car. There's one behind it. There's one on that truck. One just ran across my line of vision. There's some in the grass. I counted 22 cats while I was just standing there minding my own business. And I thought, oh my God, seeing it is definitely different than a photo or somebody just telling you something's going on. I turn, I see what I didn't even know was a cat. This creature kind of crawled out from under this flatbed truck. She was in absolutely horrific condition. Filthy, matted, big thing of mucus coming out of her mouth. But somehow she was still wanted to know that, hey, do you have any food on you? Which I, of course, every cat rescuer has cat food on them. And I put some out for her and she started to eat a little bit out of the side of her mouth. And I thought, oh my God, I can't do a fundraiser. I have to get this cat to the vet right now. I'm going to jump on it, stick it in my coat, and I'm going to run drive away. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got started doing way more than fundraising with this situation. I have to say, my hat is off to everybody that does TNR, like that specializes in it, because it. I thought doing just rescuing kittens or cats was tough, but I think TNR, it takes a special kind of really just tough, tough person. And the reason why I say that is because it's hard for me as someone who deals with cats all the time to trap a cat and know that odds are you're going to let it go after it's been vetted. And I'm such a baby. I want to hug the cats. I want to kiss them. That is not appropriate for a feral cat. And it doesn't respect them either. I started to really understand that, that some of these cats, no matter how badly I wanted them to stay in my house and be my friend, that wasn't appropriate for them. It's definitely something that has been really difficult. By the way, that cat that we did get her trapped right away, and she is doing fine now. And that's another story. If you want to, hear, I'm like, how many stories do you want to hear? I'm like, I don't want to be like going from one. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. But that first cat, just so people aren't going to go crazy, not knowing what happened is we nicknamed her Waterbury number one, because obviously it was the first cat we trapped. She had all of her teeth needed to be removed. She had severe stomatitis, all kinds of course, parasitic infections and things like that. She is feral. I said, well, okay, we'll get the money. We'll get her teeth done. If she recovers, she can live at my house outside and I will monitor her very carefully or I'll bring her inside. I don't know. I didn't know what I was going to do, but we would figure something out. So while she's at the vet getting her dental done, one of the vet's clients comes in who is a longtime client and she actually saw Waterbury One's dental being done and was completely horrified and said, what happened to this cat? And the vet told her the story and she said, oh my God, I need to adopt this cat. Will you let me adopt the cat? So apparently this is the one person in this whole area who, what does she do? She adopts feral cats who cannot be returned outside. I'm like, what is? what are the odds of that? So I talked to her. We did background check. We talked to the vet. She's adopted her. Her name's Tulip now. Waterbury one to Tulip. Sounds great great 
right? And with stomatitis, you do have to be careful to monitor that because sometimes they need follow-up care and that kind of thing. It's, it's tough. The teeth are tough for those feral cats, that's for sure. Absolutely. And that's what's so tough is you see some situations where how much do you do to these cats and what's appropriate to be done and then let them back. So for example, we trapped another cat whose eye had been ruptured. They removed that eye and then some of my associate team members from different rescues were saying, oh, we can let him back out. And I said, no, (laughs) we can't do that. He has one eye. Honestly, I really don't know. Maybe it's fine for them to do that. But I think part of my job ended up being being the advocate or finding placements for cats that might have been a little bit difficult or that were potentially friendly. So out of the 36 cats or so we've trapped so far, I placed about 10 of them. And again, trying to be respectful of the cat's true nature, looking out for what is their best interest, how are they going to be the safest so Robin, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your your blog. Um, can you tell me how long it's been going and what are the s- sort of stories that you tend to uh, present on the blog? And how can people find you on the blog? Well, they can find me on coveredincathair.com. So that's my blog. It's also on Facebook as Covered in Cat Hair. I started 11 years ago because my cats were driving me insane. I decided to write a funny story about it. I thought what would happen was I would write this book and use Covered in Cat Hair as my platform to find an editor and a publisher and be incredibly fabulously wealthy and have fame and fortune. That sort of didn't happen. But what did happen was I started writing stories about my fostering experiences. That really blossomed. And then it blossomed into cat wellness, cat behavior, cat nutrition, and crazy, wonderful, amazing stories of rescues. Like clearing a shelter in South Carolina of 12 cats that were all on death row, and I got every single one out of there or the crazy lengths I go to saving one little kitten's life, which included driving through a nor'easter in December to Boston, which is about two or three hours from here normally, which ended up being a five-hour drive for this little four-pound kitten to have specialized surgery. And I love it. I love telling these stories because every single cat or kitten that we bring into our rescue always has something interesting, something that we can learn from, something that can inspire people to foster, to rescue. That's something that's very, very important to me because I want people to know that even though my experiences may be difficult at times or there may be heartbreak, that I keep doing it because we're saving lives, literally, and I want them to do the same. That's great. Robin, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I would like them to get out there and help their fellow rescues, especially this time of year. It's kitten season. 
my rescue kitten associates needs foster homes desperately. Everybody who does rescue or has a shelter, they all would love foster homes. And if you can't do fostering, there are a million different tasks that every single rescue could use help with. Data entry, photography, event planning, basically anything you know that you love to do, you can share with a rescue and it would make a huge difference in how they operate. Robin, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks for having me, Stacy. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 